Hey, what's up? It's Zach Neal. How you guys doing? Two days left until Christmas 2018. One week after that left until a new year, 2019. And I want to end this year with a bang. I want to give you guys some real talk, end with a couple things that I'm really passionate about, some things that I really believe in that I hope can help you, some things that I use in my business, my personal life, things I'm still learning on a daily basis. I'm growing myself. But today I want to talk about becoming a fucking yes person. It's so shitty to be a no person and no people get nothing done. Yes, people change the fucking world. Yes, people save lives. Yes, people are the salt of the earth. And I want to talk about figuring out if you're a yes or no person as it is. And if you're not, how to become one. And if you are already, how to be even more of a yes person. And dividing the bullshit yeses from the good yeses. Let's do it. I got so sick and tired of people telling me no, like so sick and tired of it. It was to the point where it was causing me anxiety and depression. I was a young guy, I was 19, 18 years old, and I was trying so hard to make something out of you know what I had. I was a musician, I was playing music, writing songs, touring in a punk rock band, living on scraps. I was poor already, so being even more poor wasn't really a big deal for me. I already come from a poor background, so living in a van and surviving on ramen noodles and like dollar menus and sometimes even worse, sometimes making tomato soup by getting free hot water. You go into a McDonald's, right? Here's a poor man's meal for you. You go into a McDonald's and you ask for just a cup of hot water, like for tea, and that's free, at least back in the 90s it was get a free cup of hot water. Then you take that hot water and you go over to their condiment section where they have creamers, right? Uh, For coffee, you know, little half and half creamers. And they have unlimited ketchup packets and they have salt and pepper packets. And you dump about one third of that hot water out and then you fill what you dumped out with half and half creamers for cream and about 10 ketchup packets and a salt and pepper packet and you've made some real super ghetto tomato soup. And then they have crackers for like, you know, when they have super different things, you get free packages of crackers so you can put that in there. I'm just giving that as some contrast because that's how poor I was at many times when I was a musician and I was touring the country getting 50 to $75 paid per show to split up between four or five guys or try to get a hotel and just get gas or food to the next, you know, the next visit. Not the easiest thing, but that's not the point of this. I'm just giving that to add a little, a little dialogue, a little background story. Making poor man's lunches, living on dollar menu. But I, got, I was trying really hard. And everywhere I turned, they told me no. I would see these bands that, in my opinion, weren't nearly as good as my band was. Certainly weren't working nearly as hard as we were working. But yet they were getting all of the good stuff. The good shows, the big ticket bands, the the big venues, the big crowds, you know, they were getting all the, the, the perks of the job and not, and seemingly from my point of view, not doing the work. So it made me resentful, resentful towards my competition. And I started to get hyper-focused on what everybody else was doing and then complaining about it. Well, why is so-and-so getting this? And why is that band getting that? They don't fucking deserve that. They didn't work hard. They're not doing anything. And you know what? That took my focus completely off of what I was doing for myself and putting my own work in. And I started to lose focus. And then what compounded it is 
when I tried to emulate what those other bands were doing, or I tried to go to the bigger venues, get on the bigger shows, everyone just kept telling me no. No, because you're out of state. No, because you can't sell enough tickets. No, because we're already full. No, because your cousin's not my best friend. No, because I don't know you. No, because we don't have a personal relationship. Whatever it is, a lot of these other bands had inroads or family members who knew somebody. They were greasing people. They had a rich kid in the band that could pay to buy onto shows and buy onto tours or whatever it might have been. I didn't have that thing. And so here I am. Let's say at this point, I think I'm maybe 19 or 20. And it's it's come to a head. I start a new band. I had been in another band in high school that was, you know, pretty serious, but start a new band. I think I'm getting a fresh start in every fucking rock that I turn over, metaphorically speaking. Every person I go to for help tells me no. No, and a lot of them even, I'd love to help you. All right, no, I think the band's great. Heard your demo, amazing. Just don't have any room. Oh, we already added so-and-so. Just everybody always seemed to be ahead of me. I could never get ahead. By the time I got there, five other people had already been there. It was like, I was always like a day behind everybody else. Oh, this big tour is coming to town. I want to get on it. Oh, I heard this. I heard so-and-so's band from New Jersey got on. How the fuck did they get on? Like, they don't have they don't have anything going on. How did they get on this big tour? Oh, I guess they just called this promoter guy and asked, and he put them on. And, or they played a battle of the bands. And by the time I would call the battle of the bands, it would be full. By the time I would call the promoter guy, he already added all the bands he was adding. It was just over and over again, I get told no. Man, hearing no is a fucking dick crusher. It's a boner killer. It's a fucking destroyer of worlds. Getting told no sucks, okay? Fucking sucks. When you believe in something and you want it so bad. I wanted that music career so fucking bad. I gave up everything for that. I was 17 years old. I'm sorry, 16 years old. Dropped out of high school. I had already been dropped out long before that. Remember, I've got an eighth grade education. I'm out of school and I'm hitting the road at 16 years old in a van. I'm traveling across the country in a van that cost $500 that was made in the 80s and had rusted outdoors and had 175,000 miles on it. And I'm trusting this thing to carry me across the country. That's how fucking bad I wanted this. I was willing to sleep outside. I used to sleep in parking lots and on the roof of this van because it had no air conditioning or windows in the back. So you couldn't sleep in it. You'd sweat to death. So I would sleep on the roof of the van, sleep in the grass in hotel parking lots, sleep in Walmart parking lots on an air mattress outside. I mean, anything that just to be there, just to be out of that shitty little town in Pennsylvania and be someplace else where music and art and life was happening. That's how fucking bad I wanted that. But yet no one was willing to fucking help me. Nobody was willing to give me a chance. No one was willing to cut me a break. Everywhere I turned, everyone just kept telling me no. And you know what happened? When you're that into something and you're so and you're getting discouraged and you're hyper-focused on what everyone else is doing and it seems like everyone around you is succeeding and you're just losing, losing, losing. And, it's, and then everyone's telling you no. You try to get a better opportunity, but fucking no, no, no. That's when people give up. And I was just about to give up, right? I was just about to get fucking done with it. Give up. I quit. Fuck the music industry. Fuck being in a band. This is, this sucks. I can't do this anymore. I was right there. And then the most amazing thing happened. I'm going to start the next segment with what happened.
so here's what happens. I'm right about to quit. I'm so fucking sick of hearing no because no is crushing. No is earth shattering. It's terrible. It's a terrible fucking word, right? Get it out of your vocabulary. But here's what happens. Right at the point where I'm about to give up, I'm about to just forget my dreams. Maybe I'm going to go back to school. Maybe I'm going to try to go to college. You know, whatever. Play the game. I think if the thought comes over my mind that, man, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up just because, like, there was this one promoter in particular that I just hated. I just hated him. He was a concert promoter. But the guy was just a, a snarky dickhead. And every single time I tried, you know, he had he ran one of the cooler venues of that time. And everybody wanted to play at this venue. And this guy didn't, he didn't even own the venue. He was just like an outside promoter. The guy's just a fucking dickbag. Every time you asked a guy to play a show, if, if he didn't just flat out tell you no, he would try to make you do some astronomically ridiculous amount of bullshit to be on the show. Like, he'd be booking some show where the headlining band was only worth 100 tickets, meaning, like, they would only bring 100 people to see them. And then he'd ask your band to sell 200 advance tickets to play the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, some ridiculous thing like that where it would be like, this band is only worth 100 tickets on their, you know, with all of their fans. But you want me to sell twice with that? But then why don't I headline the show? I hated this guy. He ran a club in New Jersey. I just hated him. His name, <laughs> I'm not going to drop his name. I feel like I should drop his fucking name. He's still around. He's still uh, trying to dick around in New York with venues and different things. But this guy's a douche, bottom line, okay? The kind of guy that, like, when he was 25 was going on, like, MySpace and, like, trying to set up dates with 15-year-old girls, that kind of douche. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. Someday I'll do a tell-all podcast about the dickheads that I worked with in the music industry, and uh, it'll it'll blow your mind. But anyway, long story short, this guy just always saying no, saying no, saying no, right? Pissing me off. Couldn't get anywhere. So I started thinking about him, and if I quit, that that douchebag, that moron would have discouraged me enough that I would lose my dream, but somehow he would get his. He would get to go on and be a concert promoter and do all these cool shows, but I would quit. And then I got mad. This is the turning point. that I've been blabbering for 10 minutes, I know. But this is the turning point of this story, and this is where it starts getting into being a yes man instead of a fucking no man and how it changed everything for me. I got angry. Now, I know anger is not a positive emotion, But I'm here to tell you in all honesty that anger, when directed properly, we'll call it righteous anger, justified anger, is one of the most powerful tools in your emotional tool belt that you can ever use. I remember where I was. I remember exactly where I was, what day of the week it was. It was a Wednesday. I was in a basement apartment that I had been renting um, for like $300 a month. So that tells you what kind of apartment it was. It didn't have a kitchen or any type of kitchen in it at all. It was just literally two bedrooms in the basement of somebody's house and a bathroom. And, uh, you know, couldn't eat there because there was no kitchen to cook in. But anyway, I got welled up with anger. So angry at the fact that I would lose and give up my dreams and that this other guy who was a dirtbag, who was one of the main discouragers of my dream, one of the, somebody that just relished in saying no to not just me. I don't want you to think this was just me that I was singled out. There was happening to lots of young kids that had a hope and a dream for a music career 
And a guy like this was always standing in everybody's way. And in all fairness, he couldn't give an opportunity to everybody. You know, first come, first serve. But he never gave a fuck about the bands. He never gave a fuck about anybody or what was going on in his industry. He just was out for number one. And he never helped anybody. And that's okay. Because of him, I'm a success today. So I got angry, right? I'm going to start speeding this up. I got angry and I got fucking fumed over it. I literally was pacing back and forth, cursing this guy's name under my breath. And it wasn't like he wasn't the cause of all this. I'd been getting told no. I just wasn't making any headway in my music career. I just couldn't get ahead. I couldn't get the good shows. I couldn't get on any decent tours. I couldn't even afford to get t-shirts made for my band. We weren't making any money. We weren't getting the right exposure. We didn't even have a good website. We couldn't afford to get one made. It was just all this bullshit. And in this moment, it might have been because recently I had interacted with this guy or something. He was just on my mind. So he was the focus of my anger. And I thought, I don't need this fucking guy anymore. I don't need any of these fucking promoters. I don't need any of this bullshit. I'm going to do it myself. And so that anger immediately turned into like a fire underneath my ass to work harder than I'd ever worked and to figure out why do I need a promoter, right? Why do I need one? It was like a light bulb went off in my head. Ding, 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 ding. I don't need a fucking promoter. I can be my own promoter. And so then the very next morning, I started calling venues that I had previously wanted to play with a brand new question that I had never asked before in my entire life. I've been playing music since I was 13 years old, playing professionally, like going out and playing in public since I was 15, touring since 16. At this point, I'm like 20, getting, you know, getting ready to turn 21. And here's a question that I never had asked before. I called these same places that I used to call the promoters and that didn't even own the venues, calling the promoters and begging of them to put me on a show or let me open up for somebody or just, I'll play on a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock at night. I don't care. I just want to play. I called the owners of the venues or the, or the office of, you know, the management of the venues and asked how much it cost to rent the venue out to do my own show, knowing that they would already be booked on Fridays and Saturday nights and those kind of nights. I knew that I would have to go on off nights when they probably didn't have any booking. So I was asking about Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and Monday nights. Turns out <laughs> this one venue that I wanted to play all the time, it was like impossible to get booked into, that the guy didn't even charge you a rental fee. You just had to pay the sound guy and your own security and give the venue $2 per head that came in. That's easy because back in those days, you were charging either eight or 10 to come into a show. That was like standard price for a concert. So it's no big deal to give the guy that runs the venue just wants $2 out of that head. If it's a $10 ticket, you're still walking out with eight. Then all of the bands were used to not getting paid at all. They never got paid. You just got to open the show. That was your payment. So I started this mind boggling new thing called bands get paid. So we would pay them per head. In the beginning, I would just say, here's the deal. All the bands that play, are gonna split all the money from the door evenly, right? We're all gonna get paid. And we'll, we'll, we'll all get all of our fans to come out on like a Tuesday night. We'll get 100 people on $10, a thousand bucks. There's five bands, everybody gets 200 bucks. That didn't work very long because, you know, everything is a democracy and the bands that drew more people got bitchy and said, why should we only make 200? And we drew most of the crowd tonight. The egos start to pop, everybody becomes a rock star. 
So eventually that system turned into something completely different. It turned into bands would sell tickets and they would get paid a certain amount of money per ticket that they sold and they balanced out and became a different animal later. But that is neither here nor there. That has nothing to do with the story. The story is that I got told no, no, no. And then I got angry and I pushed that anger in a positive direction towards fucking doing something about it. The thing that I was getting told no for, I got tired of it. And now we're going to fast forward just, you know, a handful of years later. I started, I'm a kid. Remember, I'm a fucking kid. Literally, just a kid. I'm 21, 22 years old now, a year or two later. I'm promoting concerts professionally. I'm working out of two or three different venues. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I'm a small-time promoter. I'm not a big deal. But I'm a big deal for me and for the bands that I work with. They're starting to show me a lot of love because I do good shows. I'm the guy that can do a Wednesday night local band show with no headliner and bring 300 people into a fire hall or into, you know, a small club. I can pack a place out on a Wednesday because I built a network of talent. I found all the other bands that were sick and tired of getting told no. And you know what I did? I said yes. I said yes to everybody. Any fucking band that contacted me in those days that wanted to play one of my shows, the answer was yes. If that show was full, like you can only have a certain amount of bands on a show, I would just tell them you're on the next one. Sometimes my waiting list got to be months long, three, four months long, but I always said yes. I would just say, guys, I can't put you on this week because I'm full and I'm full for the next six weeks, but you're you're first for week seven. You guys are first for week eight. You guys are, you know, I got everybody in and I just said yes. And the bands loved it. Because now they weren't going out and being abused and fucked with and mistreated to play for some asshole who didn't even give a shit about them and having to beg and squabble. I just said yes. And I said yes. I said yes to bands that were terrible. Bands that could barely play. Fucking teenager bands living with their parents. Like, can play two guitar chords and sing off key. I said yes to everybody because I knew what it was like to be told no and how fucking great, how I could change the dynamic and actually be a guy to say yes. Let's go into part three. By saying yes, I changed everything, not just for myself, but for a whole group of bands that I was working with and musicians all over my town, but not just in my little town, all over the tri-state area. I had about 125 bands that I worked with regularly that I worked with in three or four different venues that I booked. And I worked with them all the time and I gave these guys lots of chances. And I had bands that had monthly bookings with me. They played once a month for me. There was like, you know, dozens of bands that were on that schedule with me and out of town bands and touring bands. And next thing you know, guys, I quit my job at the pizza delivery shop. I was a pizza delivery driver through my early 20s for years. I worked at a local pizza shop. I drove delivery because it was good money. When I I had, in the wintertime, I had three jobs. One was pizza delivery guy. The other one was shoveling snow off sidewalks. There was a, a ski resort near where I lived. And they had this, like, they call it the village. And it was like these condos that were right alongside the ski slopes. Like hundreds of people live there. It's like layers, rows and rows and rows of these condominiums on the mountain. And they have all these connecting like sidewalks and pathways that lead up, you know, to the condos and all around from building to building. And it snows like a motherfucker up on the mountain. So when it would snow, 
we would get a call. You'd always have to have your ringer on because you never knew what the weather was going to be. And if it started to snow, as soon as we had more than an inch on the ground, you'd get this call from this guy. It'd be around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. You'd have to go start shoveling snow, and you would shovel snow for eight hours. But, I mean, it paid good. I mean, we thought it paid fucking fantastic. In retrospect, it was about $12 an hour, but that was like rich people money. You know, this is like 1999, 98, 99, 2000. I mean, this is like fucking rich people money back then. So, uh, 12 bucks an hour. And I, so I would deliver pizza and I, in the winter time I would shovel snow. And then I was also a prep cook at this Italian restaurant. And I was, you know, I would prep and then I would sometimes work the line, but then I got taken off the line because I was traveling with the band. And so any free day that I had when I wasn't doing my music, that's how I was paying. I had, I needed all three jobs to pay my bills, but I'm telling you this because about two and a half years after I got angry uh, about everything from hearing no and got motivated to start saying yes to other people and making my life a, a yes life, I was just down. I quit the pizza delivery job and I was just down to cooking one job because I was filling in my income gap with these shows that I was promoting. I was actually making enough money promoting shows myself and playing and getting paid, you know, with my own band to play these shows that I was making enough money to fill in the gap. I was probably only making $500 a month, you know, 125 bucks a week, nothing to, to go crazy about, but I was making, that was enough. I mean, that was enough for me to live at that point. I had, I lived in a, you know, a one bedroom apartment with another person. My rent was $300 a month with my utilities and everything. It was only like 500 a month. I drove a piece of shit car and I had nothing. So I didn't have a lot of bills, um, but I was making enough money doing that that I was able to. So that's so. Then we're gonna fast forward again. Now I've I've dragged a lot. I wanted to give you guys a lot of background. I wanted it to be personal. I wanted to give you a lot of background on who I was and where I was at this point in my life. I have nothing. I am nothing. I'm a poor white trash kid from a dirty fucking scumbag town in Pennsylvania that nobody fucking cares about. And nobody cares about me and nobody even takes me seriously. And anybody that I'm trying to work with just thinks I'm some dumb fucking kid. So this is who I am at this point, right? I want to fast forward five years later. We're just going to take a five-year gap. I stopped promoting shows at like 23 years old. I just stopped doing it. I had been doing it like crazy and I just stopped. The reason why is because I got more into... I, I couldn't focus on my music and I didn't want to become a concert promoter. So for like 23, 24, 25, 26, you know, those four years, I did a bunch of shit. I got married. Um, I, was very, I got married very young, crazy dumbass kid. And, uh, you know, got married at, at 24, 25 years old. I did that. Uh, I, I went totally full-time into pursuing my dream of, uh, you know, the music, but I also got into recording arts. I'd, I'd taken a, like an internship at a recording studio and got really big into working as an engineer and a producer. So I decided that I was going to go to school. So I went to SAE, the School of Audio Engineering in New York City. And I went there for, you know, uh, two years uh, to get an audio engineering degree. And even though I wasn't a, a high school graduate, you know, I dropped out in eighth grade and never went back to school. Uh, God blessed me with some brains. So I was able to, I had gotten a GED much earlier on. And uh, so I was able to go and, and go to school there. It wasn't a college, it's a technical school, um, but I wanted to go there and focus on recording. And I opened my first business as an adult, which was a recording studio. And I took out some small loans from some, some family friends and investors. 
and opened this recording studio and it did pretty well uh, until it didn't and eventually it failed but that's I'm just giving you some some gap here like what happened in those five years I, I toured a lot I, my band went on all kinds of tours we played hundreds of you know we played literally thousands of shows went all over the place I went to audio school I met a girl I got married I re- recorded lots of other people's albums as an engineer and a producer I went to audio school and opened my own studio now I moved into a different place I got my own you know my own things after I got married I got an apartment with my wife and uh, we did that whole thing and then now this is I'm fast forwarding five years later after you know, I quit promoting shows now I'm I'm 27 years old at this point now I've had a really healthy music career every single person that told me no along the way ended up having to tell me yes because I rose I made my path I dreamed of playing on the Vans Warp Tour it was something that was it was like the Super Bowl for punk rock bands I dreamed of just playing it like one show not being on the whole thing just like if I could just play one date on the Warp Tour I tried for four years I tried to get on that tour I volunteered in catering I volunteered to be a runner I was willing to do anything just to could never get on till I finally confronted the owner of the tour, got in his face, got him in a position where he couldn't say no to me, got him to let me get on, won a bunch of Battle of the Bands contests, this and that and later. Now at this point, where again, we fast forwarded five years later, I own a stage on that Bands Warped Tour, meaning I own my own production, got tired of other people telling me no, decided I was going to do it myself, bought a stage, bought a mobile stage. Bought a giant sound system, got all the rigging and everything I would need, soundboard, sound equipment, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, a semi-truck to carry it, a tour bus to carry the 15 people that work it. And that's my fucking stage. I book who I want to book on that stage. I'm the decider. I decide who plays and who doesn't play. I decide what kind of music we're going to promote on my stage. And guess what? I'm the guy that owns the stage, so my own musical prowess gets to prevail i get to play the stage whenever i want and if i don't want to play it i have enough pull now that i can go play other stages i can go ask the tour owner or the manager of any one of the other stages and if i want to play on a different stage i can play on a different stage i can get on the tour on my own or i can put myself on the tour because now i own a stage on it that's a pretty far cry from where i started being told no ready to quit getting righteously angry fuck you to the system that keeps telling me no i'm going to be a person that says yes i'm going to be a person that says yes all the time i'm going to give other people opportunity i'm going to send the elevator back down to the ground level just like no one fucking did for me during those years i'm going to be the one i'm going to do one better i'm going to make an opportunity for other people man i put so many bands on warp tour for eight years i put hundreds of bands from all over the country on that tour and gave them opportunities that I never got and it was an awesome experience now we're five years later I'm 27 years old I'm running my concert production company which is now a more than one million dollar per year company I'm an exclusive talent buyer at seven or eight noteworthy venues throughout New York New Jersey Pennsylvania Maryland Massachusetts I'm promoting my own in-house festivals, two and three-day music festivals that are getting attendance in the mid, you know, five, six thousand people. I own a stage on the Vans Warped Tour. I have started a record label through Warner Brothers, and I'm now I have an imprint label at Warner Brothers Music Group. I own a distribution. I own a music publicity company 
I own a small indie music publishing company. I'm a consultant for Universal Motown Records while simultaneously having my own label at Warner Brothers. I've got money in the bank. I've now bought a house, bought a house at 26, bought a house at 26 with money that I earned from working in the music industry, the same industry where I used to not be able to make $25. I've done this. This is five years later. In that five years, four, three and a half of those years, I did zero concert promoting. I I had quit doing it. Like I said, I took a break. I went to school for audio engineering. I got married. Uh, I traveled with my band, all that stuff. I came back to it at about 26, 25 and a half. I came back to it, started a company, busted my balls, put my nose to the grindstone to build something. And in a couple years, I had a, a million dollar a year concert production company that then grew over the next few years after that. By the time I was 30, I had all those venues. Plus I had opened my own, my first restaurant, my second restaurant, which is a pizza shop, a giant 800 capacity nightclub and venue that I owned. I opened my own place finally, had my own club. Plus I represented about 11 different clubs. Plus I still represented the Warp Tour and had my own stage at Warp Tour. Plus I was also running Battle of the Bands and doing talent buying for tons of other festivals and music productions. I was well sought after consultant. That knowledge that I had in youth marketing at that time, because I was real early on social media, I was one of the first people to, to have MySpace and to be up on that whole thing and to start using social media and marketing you know, through concerts, caught the attention of Fortune 500 corporations, caught the attention of consumer electronics companies who hired me to come be marketing director and face of their company and social media director. And all of these different things started happening. But the reason why is because I stopped saying no. Well, I wasn't saying no to begin with. I was saying no in a sense to the universe. I was saying a no to my own blessings and my own destiny by just being walled off and focusing on the negative energy and focusing on the shit that other people were doing and just not paying attention, walling myself off with no's. But those people that said no to me, it's the biggest blessing that I've ever had because if all of those people had been decent, if they had just been like normal human beings and given a kid a shot and not said no every time, I might not have ever gotten the motivation to become what I was. See, I was an angry kid. All that motivation came from anger. I was fucking mad that nobody would help me out. I like could not believe it. I'd never seen anything like it. Like, man, I know my band is decent at best. I mean, we're, we're not bad people. We have fans. We're putting asses in seats. When we play, we're bringing 100, 200 people to come see us. Why won't anybody help me? It just made me fucking angry. And then I just thought about all the entitlement and the rich kids out there were just buying their way through the music and it made me so fucking angry. I couldn't deal anymore. And I got mad and I decided to start not accepting no anymore, making my life about yes, doing it myself. That motivated me to go out and fuck the concert promoter, I'll be the concert promoter. And fuck the tour owner, I'll become the tour owner. And fuck the venue guy, I'll buy a venue right? This was my attitude. And fuck the record labels. I'll open my own label. I just started realizing that like most of the people that I dealt with were dumbasses that just, they got there by like dumb luck. The CEO, right? The head of A&R for every major label that I ever dealt with, except for one or like one or two people were fucking morons. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. They're like, their mission statement when they got into their job was to call a bunch of kids like me to ask what they should do because they don't fucking know. 
Once I realized that they're all idiots, it was like easy. I'm smarter than all of these people. I am willing to work harder than all of them and do more so I can fucking win at this. And that's when it all clicked, my friends. That's when it all clicked. So you don't want to be, I know this is a long story. Maybe you're not interested. Maybe it took me too long to get to the point. I just wanted to share something personal. I wanted to be real with you guys about where I came from and what my life was like. Making soup out of free condiment packets at, at McDonald's, living in a van, sleeping in parking lots and roofs of cars, being you know virtually homeless for, for periods of my life, uh, being fucking broke, an actual, when they say the starving musician, like an actual starving musician. I just want you to feel that, feel that struggle, feel where I was coming from, and then have everyone telling you no <clears throat> and how devastating that was. It almost made me quit. I mean, that was like one of the closest times I ever was to quitting in my life. I like give up on myself because no is such a powerful deterrent. But yes, yes changes everything. And so when I started making my own path, I made sure at that moment, and I've never gone back from this, at that moment, I became a yes person. Yes. You call me, you ask me for help, the answer is yes. I'm still that way to this day. Look, if you can get a hold of me, the answer is yes. It's hard for me to say no to anybody. You ask me for something and if I have it, I'll give it to you. If I don't have it, I'll try to find a way to help you get it. <coughs> I am told by people that are close to me that I waste way too much of my time on dumb people. I would say that almost all of my business partners and all the people in my family chastise me on a regular basis for like, Zach, you're too nice. You're too nice. You give too much of your time. You shouldn't be so accessible. Why are you on, Why are you out podcasting telling people to DM you on Instagram when you're so fucking busy? The last thing you need is 50 DMs a day from people wanting your advice or wanting your help. I disagree because I don't want you guys to give up. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to get where I was in that low fucking dark, miserable place because nobody says yes anymore. So I say yes and I encourage you to become a yes person. You want your life to go full circle? You want it, You want three, 360 degrees of blessings? Give 360 degrees of blessings out. Become a fucking yes person. Just start saying yes within reason. Now I said at the beginning of the podcast, I would separate the bullshit. Yeah, real quick. Don't say yes when it's something that's gonna hurt you or somebody else. Don't just blindly say yes. Somebody asked you for all your money. Of course, you're not gonna say yes to that. You provide help, you provide assistance. You provide yes when it makes sense. Someone asks you for something stupid and you say no or get no out of your vocabulary. Just say, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Means the same thing, right? But of course, a yes person within reason. Can I fuck your wife? No, you may not. Can I fuck your husband? No, you may not. I don't know. Maybe you say yes. Maybe you're into that weird shit. But you know what I'm saying? Like, of course, there's going to be times that you're not going to say yes. But becoming a yes person, the practice of saying when someone comes to you, you send that elevator back down to the first floor. You might think that you're still on the first floor, but I promise you, there's a lot of people that are below you in the basement level. So you send the elevator back down to them so they can just get onto the first floor. And if you get onto the second floor, you keep sending that elevator back down and helping people out because if more people start becoming yes people, all of us benefit. All of us get the opportunity to have a dream, to live a dream, to get that chance to do something bigger than ourselves. Because I got angry from being told no, I became who I was. So I can't, I can't shit on it, guys. I can't sit here and say honestly that I wish I had been around a bunch of yes people because I don't. I'm 100% happy with how my path has gone. I have no regrets. If I had to go back and do it over again, I'd do it virtually the exact same way. And I would want all that same struggle and all that same poorness and all that same being told no all the time because all those things made me what I am today. They gave me the motivation 
to become what I am today. I encourage you to be a yes person, to get no out of your vocabulary. And if you're dealing with no people and you're sick and tired of being told no, start doing for yourself. Fuck what those people say. They're not better than you. They got nothing on you. They can't beat you. They can't keep you down. They are not in control of your destiny. They are not your future. They are not the voice inside your head. They do not determine how far you go in this life. They are powerless. They are nothing. Their no means nothing to you more than just another piece of motivation to go get what you want. When someone tells you no, you just cross and go right to the next thing and you keep going until someone tells you yes. And if no one tells you yes, you fucking figure out a way to get it done without someone else helping you and you just do it yourself. That's it for today. Thanks for making it through this. I know it was long and personal and rambly, but I wanted to share something personal from the heart. I wanted to share some of my experience. I don't often talk about my past and my history like that, but I think that there's a lot of value in it because I came up real hard and I had to learn a lot of real hard lessons that I hope I can pass on and make your life a little bit easier. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you have a great holiday and whatever you celebrate, Kwanzaa, fucking Hanukkah is over, but whatever you celebrate, I hope you enjoy it. And I'll definitely talk to you guys again before the new year. Take care.